Okay, hi everyone. It's PK here. I'm really excited. In this show, we're going to be talking about Development 101. So, so many of you have already got investment properties. So many of you are about to get investment properties, but you're sort of thinking, hey, I've already made hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've already started my passive income journey, or I'm about to do that. How can I accelerate this thing? I've got some spare time. <clears throat> I've got some spare cash. It doesn't need to be hundreds of thousands. I've got a little bit there. How can I escape my nine to five, as cliche as that sound? How can I do that quicker? Because that's really where I was maybe, you know, 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago when I started this, I was actually consuming videos like this and audio like this. I was thinking, all right, well, I can do this buy and hold thing, but can I do something on the side whereby I can accelerate that? So I've got my friend Adam here who is a, actually a pretty good developer, really successful developer. He has done more than 10... Uh, I think 12 actually, to be precise, 12 development projects made without kind of, you know, coming across as, you know, wanky and all that. He's made millions of dollars, all that kind of jazz. He's not the Mark Rolton. He's not the Dymphno Bahot that I know you guys know about. Just grassroots developer, humble, quiet. You'll, you'll hear from him in a second. But I got him on this video, on this show, um, to really educate you guys how to go from where you are right now into your first development? How can you make sure that development is right for you? What is the potential that development can give for you? And what does it take to actually be successful in it? So kind of piling on the pressure here on Adam, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll give the mic over to him in a second, but thank you for joining us. And hopefully the show, this episode brings a ton of value. Do you want to achieve wealth and passive income through property investing? PK Gupta, host of Oz Property Investment Mastery, will help you achieve passive income by buying top 5% growth and positive cash flow property and building a portfolio using data without you wasting months of time doing research, spending weekends at inspections, or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents each time. So if you are confused and overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory information available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Thanks for making time, Adam. That's all right. Thanks, PK. Thanks for having me. No dramas, no dramas. So... Um, like, you know, I know you, of course, we've, we've worked together for a long time, but if you could just, um, you know, elevator pitch or say, not sales pitch, elevator pitch or whatever, um, like, who are you and like, what's been your development experience? I know you used to be an engineer, you, you know, quite a successful civil engineer, you made that transition because you didn't want to work for someone else for the rest of your life. Just talk us through that sort of background, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, I suppose for the guys that are listening uh, we've known each other for a long time. We first met probably eight years ago. I was working as a civil engineer. Um, I did really well at uni, so I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are really well ed educated. You're in a nine to five job. You're getting paid really well for it. I mean, I was a 22 year old kid, really finished university, but had a bit of experience um, and on pretty much a six figure salary, not too far out of uni. So you, you get really comfortable being that sort of money. Um, and what I actually did, which nobody else I saw do, I spent pretty much all of my savings on people mentoring me. So yeah, I was on a really good salary, uh, but all my spare cash I spent on, first of all, I did a development course. Uh, I did that when I was 22, straight out of university. And I love engineering. What I didn't like was working for somebody else, working for the boss and at that time, I saw my boss and my boss's boss and my boss's boss's boss, and there was a lot of people up the tree. 
And I remember going to my boss's house. Actually, it was a couple of lines up. So it was like my, you know, third boss in line. I went to his house. He's in his late 40s. And I thought, you know what? You work on every Saturday. We're working 60, 70 hours a week. And I was thinking, you live in this house? <laughs> like, it wasn't like special. And I think he had one investment property. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't for me. Mm. Uh, so for me, it was more about what I didn't want or I saw what I didn't want. Loved engineering. Uh, loved running construction sites, doing design. Uh, absolutely loved all that stuff. Uh, yeah. First class honours at university. Once you finish, it means nothing. Yeah. Other than I've got it sitting in my cupboard at the moment. And on occasions, I might look at it and think back, oh, I remember all the hard work I did at university. PK, you probably relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, took, I took the easier subject, Bachelor of Commerce, because I, I didn't want to study. So I was just like, let's just go through this as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was unfortunately one of those guys at uni that didn't do the partying. I waited till a bit after to do a very mild partying. Um, anyway, did worked really hard at uni. Finished. I actually spent um, a lot of my savings at the time. As soon as I finished university, I went and did a course. It cost me five and a half thousand dollars. I put it on the credit card because I didn't have the money to pay for it. Uh, so yeah, it went on the credit card. And six months later, so I was still 22. I contracted a 1.1 million dollar development site. This was in 2010. So 11 years ago, I'm 33 now, giving away my age. Hopefully you can't see too many wrinkles. Uh, so contracted the first, my first development site, which was in a suburb called Morningside, five kilometres east of Brisbane CBD. And how I actually did that was using none of my own money. So I went to this course, paid five and a half grand. Uh, they said you can do property development using none of your own money. I was like, great, I'm going to do that. And the funny part was that I actually believed that person um, and actually went and did it. So I think most of what holds people back is disbelief. So, I mean, if you wholeheartedly believe in something, and there's many books written about this, Thinking Grow Rich, um, Power of Positive Thinking, if you wholeheartedly believe in something, if people tell you no, you kind of look at them like, excuse me, what? No, 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 I know it's possible. This, I just saw this other person do it. So yeah. if I did it, I know that it's possible. So that development ended up being a $3 million in value development. So I bought it for 1.1. Uh, so yeah first development down three million dollar in value made some money on it uh completed that last one sold in 2013 since then i've done a dozen renovations uh smaller one into twos one into threes uh one into seven one into ten uh and at the moment the company that i'm a director of which is adpen uh, so adpen properties we've got a bit over a hundred million dollars in the pipeline and that's due to be completed in the next couple of years. Um, and yeah. that literally all started from doing a development course over 10 years ago, uh, yeah. where someone told me you could buy property using none of your own money. So, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a crazy ride when I think about over 10 years ago and now developing multi hundred million dollar, um, projects in, in com my combination between all of them. And I was just mentioning to you before, um, that we're looking at, or I'm looking at buying, you know, larger land subdivisions. There's one I'm working on at the moment, which I didn't mention to you, but it's 500 lots. Yeah. Um, so larger scale developments like that. And the reason is um, that there's a lot of small developments and there's a lot of people playing in that smaller space. Yeah. And you can make really good money in that smaller space. I've seen guys make 
And, and I've grown up with guys that have been mentored by coaches and been around that scene. So I've seen a group of guys um, doing splitters, one into twos, one into three, four. Um, one of my clients, one of my investors, actually just does renovations. He made half a mil last year from doing renovations. Uh, yeah. And he said he was on track to do a mil this year. So there's some serious money to be made at the small end and at the big end of town. You just got to know really the hacks. And it's I mean, like it's only a few little things that you need to know to be different from everybody else that's trying to do it or trying to make money from it. Yeah. There's, you know, one little hack could make you a hundred grand. So yeah. I, I saw it like that. I invested over the last 10 years, I've probably invested, I don't know, maybe three or 400,000 probably <clears> more actually in mentors. Um, that's crazy. People coaching me. And I just, when you're investing that sort of money, you, you make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There best be a return on investment on 400K of courses and mentors and geez yeah that's that's a lot of money we're definitely not recommending you know people start <laughs> off with um, that kind of um <clears throat> you know money to splurge um you know it's, it's it's a great story right and and so you started with nothing like and the thing that i always said to you even from you know when we first met was um like you kind of have developers who become successful and they kind of you know then they start wearing the suits and they start driving the cars nothing wrong with that but the suits and the cars, they melt into their mind <clears throat> and they become very materialistic. You know, Adam's family man, you know, young family. Um, like the thing is that most people who are probably watching this, you guys that are watching this, you're not wanting to buy the fancy car. You're not wanting to get the $2,000 suit. In fact, I just sold my all my expensive suits because I'm never going back to work, right? I don't even want a suit. Um, you just want freedom and, and that's really what you want. And the thing that you said before, Adam, you know, that if you know something can happen, if you know something can exist, if you know something can transpire, then when someone says no to it, you're just like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like the world is a reflection of your own consciousness. And so you've kind of, I wouldn't say you've made it, but you're definitely making a difference to your family, to your clients, to your investors, you know, you're living your passion. You know, the people that are watching this, listening to this, they want to know what can they do about it? So, you know, you're probably listening to this, you're probably watching this right now, guys, and you're thinking, all right, well, I'm in a nine to five job, I'm an accountant, or I'm, a, I'm in banking, or I'm in IT, or I'm in finance, or engineering, um, or whatever profession, I... I do want to leave my work, not because I hate it necessarily, but I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. I want to be earning an income of at least $100,000 passively, um, hopefully through property. How can I get into development? Like, Adam, what, what advice can you give people? What is the first step that they should do, not to become like you, because we should never imitate or copy others, but to... Um, you know, resemble your type of success? What's the first step they need to be, do? So they've got maybe a wife or husband, they've got kids. What should they start doing right now? You know, beyond just the kind of, oh, just get educated, you know, that kind of thing. Like, tell us, uh, and this is the kind of stuff I'd be genuinely interested to know if I was in those shoes as well. That's a good question. I was going to say get educated. Because <laughs> that's um, obvious, right? People are, are listening to this or watching this because they're getting educated. Um, like what are some pearls of wisdom um, that you would have loved to hear in those shoes when you were 10 years ago? Like if you could share some. Yeah, I think looking back, actually, the advice that I got, I think was pretty good. 
Um, you, you can buy property with none of your own money. Um, but that was a pretty good, like when you're 22, just finished uni, um, I didn't have a lot of savings. Um, it was, I mean, someone told me you can buy property with no money down. I was like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. there's, no, there's no question. Um, and it's funny talking to people that are a bit older, um, generally older, I'm not saying that about everyone, but they've been conditioned. They've been conditioned by what other people have said. Um, and you know as well as anyone, you, you can do, if someone's already done it, it's possible. So yeah. I'm a testament to that. There's a lot of guys that have watched, watched me through the last 10, 11 years, and I've been involved in a lot of property groups over that time. Mm. Not so much in the last few years, but um, early on in the piece, I mean, I used to go to property meetups, um, meet a lot of people that were doing it. Um, listen to other people that have done deals and you just, I suppose, listening to people that have actually done it, being there, whether it's anything from renovation to, through to, you know, a large scale development, there's always little nuggets that you pick up along the way. So I used mm -hmm. to think if I went to a course and it was, whether it was free or a hundred bucks or whatever it was, um, I just thought even if I just got one thing out of that course, that could make me five or 10 grand, like that was worth sitting there and listening for a weekend or a day. Yeah. So um, I, I did used to go to a lot of different courses. What I came to realise, and I don't want to paint this in a negative light, but what I, what I did come to realise after some time is most of those people running courses actually didn't do it themselves. Yeah. Uh, so um, not all of the strategies, and I don't want to sound negative, but most of the strategies are a bit BS. Uh, and now looking at, I mean, sometimes I see guys um, posting stuff about their developments um, and I, I don't like when people put false information up on, on things about, about the development. Um, there are particular strategies that can make you a lot of money um, and there's a reason why big developers get to be big developers is they start, they had, they, everyone had to start from somewhere. Uh, yeah. And I suppose getting to that bigger end of town, they know strategies that, you know, other people don't. Yeah, so I've yeah. met developers, many of them that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, even billions of dollars um, through other people just being in that circle. Um, and I can guarantee they're not teaching courses. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, that aside, I don't want to sound negative, that aside, one strategy that could be, you know, vendor finance or, you know, how to get an investor on a project or even just how to buy a project off market. 10% under market value, just those, those strategies, they can be, you can apply them to not even development sites, just buying just a, a renovation or even just to buy a hold. Yeah. So the same strategy or same <clears throat> skills can be transferred across no, no matter what you're doing, buying any particular property. And I suppose it's just looking through the lens a little bit different. So if you look for something, you always find it. So, you know, if you're looking for the color blue, for example, you're always going to find the color blue. Mm -hmm. So what you're looking for, you will always find. So what I find a lot with a lot of my clients, and when I say clients, that's people that either joint venture or invest in projects with me. Um, a lot of those guys are their own, do their own developments. Um, and what they generally do is they have a, a model. So everyone has their own little niche and it's about finding the niche. So at the moment, I realized my niche, and I was just saying to you before, my niche is land subdivisions and commercial mixed use. So mixed use retail, fuel, fast food, childcare, um, shopping center. That's, that's currently my niche, those two 
models. So when I look at a site, I'm looking at it through that lens. So if you're looking for, say, for example, a renovation, you're going to look at a property through that lens. And once you look at enough, that model just becomes like instinct. You see a property, as long as you know that area in that market, you see a property like, bang, that's a good deal. You see a property, no. So it's just about shuffle, like getting through the rough to find the diamond. So yeah. you know, when you, you think of like sieving, like when people used to sieve for gold. So yeah. you just got to sieve through a lot. You find a good one, you just know it straight away. And it's, it depends on what lens you're looking through. So if you're looking for splitters, uh, if you're looking for one into three, one into four, uh, you'll you just develop a model that you stick to. Um, I see a lot of guys that they're looking for development sites from Cairns to Sydney to Melbourne, and that's their target area. So how can you how can you know such a big target area? Um, so it's about being focused. I mean, you might spray a lot of paint on a wall. Or throw a lot of mud on a wall some of it might stick as i'm sure people have probably heard that saying mm-hmm. uh, some of it might stick but when your target and laser focus and you know exactly what you're looking for um, you find it, it it pops up if you're looking for the color blue you're going to find it if you're looking for blue pink red orange green turquoise you know there could be a lot of different colors coming yeah. up and you think oh what am i looking for again which yeah. does that make sense yeah 100 100 percent, and like in the development space, the thing that I always learned and, and the thing that I was always taught was um, try to understand all the strategies at a high level, but then go deep into one. And then when you go deep into one strategy, focus really only just on one or two or three suburbs or a, or a small part of an LGA um, and then really become an area expert. And so then you can very quickly reverse engineer all the development deals that have happened with that strategy, let's say a one into three, and you know exactly which ones were profitable because you reverse engineer the outcome. And then you can just replicate what was actually practical, possible and profitable. Um, So yeah, that, that point of becoming niche of being laser focused is really interesting. I think, I think people often get confused because there are so many strategies, right? Like just to name a few, obviously there's your passive strategies, which isn't development, which is just buy and hold. And then there's um, you buy, renovate and hold, which is still fairly passive, buy, renovate, sell, and then cosmetically, then buy, renovate, sell structurally. Then you've got small things like splitting blocks and then one into two subdivisions. Then you've got, you know, one into two, three, four um, townhouses, and then you've got more commercial where you're building a, you know, service station, um, adjoining a fast food retail outlet, and then you've got large scale subdivision. There's so much stuff, right? Like I'm just talking about a few. For the person who just wants to get going, is a small renovation cosmetic buy, renovate, sell? Is that what they should be focusing on, Adam? Or is that a little bit you know, too small, should they go straight into buy, renovate structurally and and sell? Is that where they should start? Or is it entirely possible for someone brand new off the street, no experience in development for them to be able to do a one into two subdivision and build, you know, townhouse or a spec home at the back or a one into four townhouse development? Like what, what is possible? What should people be th- thinking about when they're thinking of becoming a developer? Yeah, any, I mean, anything's possible. Um, we, we each have a certain skill set. Um, I'm an engineer, so I've got strengths, but also have a lot of weaknesses. So you mentioned like the strategies. I think there's really just to define it, make it 
really clean cut. There's two strategies. One is passive, buy and hold. The other one is active. So don't be fooled. Buy and hold is very different to buy and develop. Uh, what I've found, though, is you make your money when you buy, and a lot of time is spent in actually sourcing the property. So once you find a good property, imagine finding a good buying hold where you've just made like 100 grand on buying it, just an average property. You bought it, that's a million bucks. You just bought a 10% on a market value. There's 100 grand. Uh, that's more than the average income per year, and you've just yeah. done it on one deal. So if it took you a year to find it, it will have been worth it. Um, so imagine buying, going in, buying a property, looking at it as a buying hold, you make a hundred grand and then over time it grows and you literally don't have to do anything. Maybe you have to give it a paint job every so often, you get a tenant in there, you change the taps, whatever. Um, so that's your passive. And then on the active side, think about making a hundred grand on the way in, but then there's an upside of another 200,000 and you can do that over 12 to 18 months. So all of a sudden you've like accelerated what you, what like normal buy and hold, you've just accelerated the, the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and once you do that, once you add the value, um, there's no, you can either sell it and then, you know, cash in your chips and go again. Yeah. Or you can keep it, refinance, pull out your equity um, and go again and do it again. And there are particular ways that you can really buy um, unlimited properties that finance space has changed a lot in the last five, 10 years. Um, it used to be a lot easier to just keep buying properties, as I'm sure a lot of people would have told you. There is still a way to do it. Uh, it's a, a little bit more complicated than what it used to be. So it's really just about accelerating what you're like a buy and hold. You buy and hold, you're just waiting for the market. And really, when you come from a development perspective, you assume that the market's just going to go flat. And then think about, what about if the market goes down? How do you mitigate your risk? So first and foremost, you make your money when you buy. Um, mm -hmm. Development is just a manufactured growth as part of the property. Yeah. Um, so your question, I haven't answered specifically your question yet about what strategy is possible. Um, I once heard from someone to think big, start small. So learn a lot of mistakes and you will. It's just inevitable. You will learn mistakes along the way. Um, the reason I paid many hundreds of thousands of dollars for mentors over the years is I tried to avoid a lot of those mistakes, um, <laughs> which paid off um, handsomely. I also still made a lot of mistakes. But yeah, look, I mean, there's no reason why someone with no prior experience cannot do a cosmetic renovation and make 50 or 100,000 on a cosmetic renovation. Um, same with, you know, a one into two. I've seen people do like one into five, one into 10 with no prior education. Um, no industry background into development. Um, and also, I mean, in saying that, you don't actually need to do the construction to be like to make money from development. Uh, a lot of it and a lot of the wealth is actually made from the paper change. So that may be buying on the market, buying in a great area similar to buy and hold, but then doing a paper change, like, uh, like a change of, say, change of use, um, or splitting the title, like nothing physically changes on the property. Yeah. Um, it's more about connecting the people to the development and such. So you've got expert consultants. You don't need to be an expert. All you need to know is, hey, what's this, what's consultant A telling me and can I get a better outcome out of consultant B? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, that that's a really good way to put it. I, I think you, you told me once, or it might have been you or someone else, that 
a developer is really just like the conductor in the in the symphony orchestra. You know, you don't know how to play that trombone or the violin or the grand piano or any of that. You just know how to make sure that they are playing well enough and they are playing in sync. Um, and and so I know that the, one of the questions that people have is like, what is the process? So like, let's say we have found a let's say a corner block, a big house, thousand square meters let's say in Brisbane City Council. <laughs> Not our favourite council, but let's just go with that. Um, <laughs> no, we and... love Brisbane City Council. <laughs> I've got many in here. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> um, so um, politics aside, but let's say you want to split that in, in four, you know, just I'm just making this up, right? Um, and you want to build four townhouses. Um, let's, let's just go with that. Like, you know, in a few minutes, <laughs> just in a few minutes, can you maybe run through the high-level process that someone has to go through to from finding the site all the way to settling the last sale of the fourth townhouse like what are the i don't know top five top seven top eight processes or key steps what's involved with that just so people can get can kind of wrap their head around the entire process okay all right <laughs> so it's, i suppose step one is buying the property uh, and i prefer to buy properties off market uh, especially now that the market is hot. Um, I don't rule out on-market sites. So, you know, buying and buying well, you either buy from someone who's motivated uh, or buy from a motivated agent. So on-market, off-market, generally off-market or direct, you can get a better deal, hopefully. One thing you can get off-market is terms. Um, a lot of real estate agents don't understand terms. And what I mean by that is, buying the property and I'm sure everybody's heard of options. It's everyone goes on about bangs on about options, but really there's actually really simple ways to do options without an option contract. An option can be an option for those people that don't know is the right, but not the obligation to purchase. So you control the property without actually owning it. And from a developer's perspective, that's really like great to be able to control it. It means you can lodge the application and you can do a whole lot of stuff without paying all the holding costs or having the risk of owning the property. So first step is buying the property, um, getting it under terms. So an option term could be like 90 days due diligence subject to, you know, it could be subject to a permit. Um, so that permit could take six or nine months to get through. Uh, I suppose the second phase of that is probably the planning. It's about getting the planning advice, making sure the zoning is correct to do uh, one into four. And in Brisbane City Council, for those people that are local, uh, there's some inner city pockets that used to be zoned LMR, low, medium, residential. And you could buy an 800 square meter block, demolish the house if, if it was uh, post-war, demolish the post-war house, and you could build four nice townhouses, driveway in the middle. Uh, that makes sense to you? Driveway in the middle, two at the back, two at the front. So it's about getting the planning advice um, and the right planning advice and getting it in writing. So you do that once you've got the property tied up. Um, but you'll know what it is because one thing that most people don't teach is they teach all these strategies. And like you said, people get, it's like, well, what strategy do I do? What am I looking for? I'm looking for everything. And then six, 12 months later, what, what do people find? They find nothing. Um, well, they find nothing that works because they're just dumping around between too many. So you'll already know, hey, this 810 square meter block, it's going to be able to fit four, three bedroom townhouses. I already know the configuration, driveway in the middle, two at the front, two at the back. And I already know that I can fit three bedrooms, two bathrooms, two cars. 
Um, but this was really popular about 10 years ago, right? I haven't really looked at this space for quite a long time. Um, so it's about knowing your model. So before you even get the planning advice, you already know what it's going to come back at. So one thing with the planning advice is there's a lot of overlays. So that could be flooding, environmental. Um, what else is some bushfire now? Bushfires quite, uh, well, that's changed a lot with the Victorian bushfires. Um, so just making sure your overlays don't constrain the site. So you might have an 800 square meter block. You go, great, I'm going to do four townhouses. And then your planner comes back and says, oh, you've got a bushfire offset. And so that will mean you might lose one. So all of a sudden you're into three. So you just need to know what, what you're going to get. Um, one of the early like early steps, once you've gotten through the due diligence, it's actually knowing the numbers, doing the due diligence, um, but then do, being able to do that quickly. So like I mentioned before, you sieve out the ones that are no good and you look at the ones that are good. So finance is pretty key. You've got to work out very early on how you're actually going to finance it unless you've got cash. Yeah. Uh, unless you're planning to settle the site and do the development in cash, which I don't know many people doing that. So finance, all that is, is either getting money from the bank or another source, using other people's money to leverage and buy the property. So that could be buying the property with a bank for 80 or 90% OVR. You could settle it on a residential loan and then look to refinance to do the construction later. Or you might borrow money from friends, family, um, you might approach one uh, an investor that you met at a meetup group, say, for example, and they could put in the deposit or you could joint venture together. So there's 101 different ways yeah. that you can do it. But ultimately, just to wrap up all of it, it's getting finance, being able to finance, one, the purchase, but then two, actually delivery of the project. Um, for a development that size, so you're one in, say it's a one into four, um, financing is a lot easier because it is a small scale. So you might be able to get away with residential finance. Um, so it's, with finance, one thing I learned very early on is make sure you've got a good broker. Uh, good brokers are far and few between, so I found. So one key thing, uh, which I was just telling somebody earlier today, is you know if your broker's not giving you the answer you want, just compare it to somebody else. I went through 20 brokers on my first development site. Mm -hmm. 20. Easy. Easy went through 20. And you know out of all of that, I only use two key brokers now. Um, and I, I did have relationships with some good bank managers, but the bank changed their policy. And okay. when the bank changed their policy, a lot of the good lenders left. I'm uh, sorry, a lot of the good bankers, they left. And the guys that are there, they're constrained by whatever the policy is in CBA or Westpac. Yeah. Uh, whereas a broker, they can do everything. So, you know, you find a good broker, you can finance a site, and do it. you can save yourself a lot of money. Uh, on a project that size, you probably don't want to do pre-sales just because of the size of it. One thing people want to do is they want to do pre-sales. In a hot market, you could probably get pre-sales by hardly even advertising. Um, in the last 10 years, I've never seen, or 11 years, I've never seen the market like this. Yeah. Um, and getting pre-sales has never been this easy. So one thing just to remember on that is, um, you know, when the market's hot, you can get sales, pre-sales, you don't even need to be good. <laughs> but when the market slows, um, it's about, being able to get those pre-sales or those sales, even in a slow market. And, you know, you pick the right area and you build the right product, property always sells. So it's about also mitigating your risk on the, on the, on the exit. So, you know, if you can pre-sell, it de-risks everything. And there's a lot of different strategies that we use um, to pre-sell properly. So it's all about the marketing collateral. 
um, to pre-sell. Um, and pre-sell a good product is probably the other thing. Um, you see a lot of crap rubbish that gets pre-sold at high premiums. Uh, we're not that, I'm not that person that wants to pre-sell something and then 10 years later, the property's worth less than, you know, what we sold it for. Yeah, for um, sure. So, and also I retain some of the properties as well. So if I'm retaining something, I want to know that it's going to grow. Um, so, uh, so I suppose first step is buying. Second one is doing the due diligence um, and making sure the numbers stack, doing the documentation. So lodging it with council. Hopefully this isn't too long winded. Lodging the documentation to allow you to get the permit with council. Yeah. Then getting the permit, getting it approved, um, pre-selling, financing. Then you've got, so this is even before you construct it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff. So everyone's like, oh, well, you know, my builder's a developer. Well, that's great. I've seen a lot of builder developers make no money. Um, I've seen a lot of builder developers make heaps of money, but the skill set is building construction is just one of a number of different skill sets. Same with an engineer. You know, people might be thinking, oh, you're an engineer, you already know. Well, actually, an engineer is such a small, or being an engineer is such a small piece of the pie. So, yeah, before you even construct, you've got to get all your approvals, and that's from council, and then you get your building approval. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a builder personally, so I engage a builder, um, and I'm not the expert at building, so I engage a good builder. They build it, and then you get completion, settlements, um, and if you're doing some sales at the end. So, yeah. hopefully you can wrap that up quickly. Maybe if you repeat that back, and hopefully I haven't covered too much information and made it too complicated. No, I think, I think that was really, really well explained. Um, because I think especially I can speak for myself when I first started looking into development, you know, as simple as it sounds, oh, just tell me the process. Actually, it's hard to find the process online and, and from someone who's actually done it. It's easy to put like, you know, five boxes on a piece of paper and say, these are the process, this is the process. But the granularity, the detail, the nuance is so different that it's good to understand why they are what they are and the order in, that they're in, not just the title. So I think you did a, a great job. So if I, if I kind of echo that back, you know, first of all, it's actually finding the site, buying it and ideally buying it off market, under market value, make your money on the way in. And then once you've bought that site, you know, you might have some terms where you're not fully committed just yet. And then you do your due diligence, you know, you uh, make sure that you can actually develop what you want to develop. You find the highest and best use of that site and once you have that kind of feasibility, you know, to some extent, you know, in stone, then you can lock in your finance, whether it's through a friend or family, bank, private, whatever it is. And then you can go through the process of finalizing the, the permits, you know, lodging your application, getting the application, getting the building approval, you know, tendering out to the builders, getting the, the thing built and then selling it. So none of this is, you know, quote unquote easy, but I think what I would tell myself and I think what people would love to hear is that it's not actually that hard either. You know, like oftentimes it can become super overwhelming, super confusing. And we're not talking about a couple of thousand dollars. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars and people kind of just buckle in fear. It doesn't sound like you were in that, in that boat when you started, Adam, but I can definitely remember like when I was exposing myself to my first developments, not I wasn't doing them personally, but being involved with them, I was kind of like, oh, you know, like this is <laughs> it's a lot going on. Um, so I think that's really, it's really important for people to hear the process. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And maybe, maybe what we'll sort of finish up on, on, on this session and guys um, that, that are listening, please let us know if this is valuable. Leave a yes below. If you want more 
um, content, more episodes, more shows, more videos on property development. Um, if you want to know how to make lump sum profits, if you want us to go deeper into the process, if you want us to talk about more deals, leave a yes below and that way we'll get some reciprocation. Actually do that. Um, I think the last thing that I'll, I'll ask from you, Adam, is like someone who's kind of, you know, you're young, but you've kind of been there, done that to some extent. For someone who's looking for their first property development, they're looking for their first deal, what are like the three biggest pieces of advice that they can learn from you? You know, you've, you've done all the way from a cosmetic reno, structural reno, townhouses, commercial service stations, all that kind of thing. Um, maybe it's a principle or maybe it's actually a very practical hack or practical suggestion from your real world experience. What are three pieces of advice that you could give to someone who's, you know, really just trying their hardest to get out of their nine to five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I suppose think of it like building a house uh, because that's development in its simplest form. Um, so don't, don't overcomplicate it. It doesn't need to be complicated. Leave that for your consultant. <laughs> um, so probably number one is don't overcomplicate it. Uh, it's not complicated. Uh, vacant land, you build something on it, somebody lives in it if it's resi. Or if it's commercial, somebody leases it and a business goes in there. That's, that's as simple as, as it is. Um, it's probably number two, it's active. You've actually, you need to actively find the property. Um, you've got to drive your consultants and you're the one that's going to make it happen. Um, but that active um, input pays handsomely. And obviously it allowed me to quit my job very early on the piece. Um, and actually when I quit my job, I went to a new, I actually went to a new level um, because I had so much more time. Uh, and it's funny how people say, I've got no time. And I don't want to bang on too much, actually. Let me do the third and then I'll tell you. Why I can't be active. Um, so one is keep it simple. Um, Number two, I think, is find a model that works. Have a look in your local area for developments that people are doing. Uh, a good tell, telltale sign of profitable developments is stuff that's getting built. So if you're in a suburb and there's lots of developments, generally people are making money. Uh, so at the time, I was in Morningside for my first development. There were other development applications in play. There were really successful developers doing developments in that suburb. So I remember one thing someone said to me really early on in the piece was, yeah, that's a really, like someone that knew Brisbane, that's a really good suburb and we're looking for developments in that. That was another developer. Uh, so yeah, good telltale sign, get a model that works that mm. you know successful developers are using. Uh, I think the third one, like everything else, and I don't want to sound too like methodical, or, but I think it's just, just start, like just start doing something. Yeah. Uh, you know, start looking for development site start educating yourself there's a lot that you can do online um, and even through the, your local councils that you never used to be able to do you used to have to actually go into council so you can be on your computer any time of the day you don't even have to be at that location now you can be sitting by the beach or at a cafe and you can be looking at other people's development sites because that's all public information so yeah. all of the application materials public information um, and just get an idea on just something as simple as building a house 
um, or doing a one into two, all that information is readily available through the council's website. I, I'd be highly surprised if there wasn't a single council in Australia that, um, and someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know of any council in Australia that doesn't have all of their stuff online. So mm. you know, just search for your local council and most of them have gone to a system called PD Online where you just search the um, address of the property and it brings up everything. So it, it will bring up the house application. If someone's put in an application for a swimming pool, it'll bring that up as well. Yeah. Um, it'll bring up the one into two. So you can, you can kind of get an idea without even having to do it yourself. You can even just step through the process that somebody else has gone through. Um, so if you're thinking about doing a development, um, have a look in your own area, look where there's developments happening, write down the address and go just search, just search the address. Yeah. Um, yeah. Search, you know, like Brisbane City Council, PD Online, um, or, or um, you know, planning scheme constraints or something like that. There's some councils have different iterations of the same thing. Um, search for that address and you can bring up all of that information pretty easily. You can have a look at the plans, the consultant reports. Um, but yeah, just start was the last one just start <laughs> honestly people have people come with excuses and uh, we've all got our own excuses i have my own excuses sometimes why i don't wake up when it's freezing cold and go and exercise uh, but you know my mine was or my reason was to get out of work but when i was 22 or we were working 60 70 hours a week at work by the time i was 25 before i ended up finishing up mm. i was doing 80 hours at work and then I'd go back to my room and do another 20 hours on develop, like doing my development site. So if people are working 40 hours a week, you got so much free time. Like <laughs> you don't have to spend, you don't have to spend 20 hours a week doing no. it um, by any means. I mean, even just a few hours a week just to start. Um, and you could do a few hours a week for, you know, 12 months and make a hundred grand. Yeah. And it might have been more than what you've made in your job. Yeah. I think think it's not about time at all. Right. It's, it's kind of a little bit fluffy to say it, but it's really about drive. If you have the drive, you make the time. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And also the skill set, being focused, spending the time on the right things, not the wrong things. Right. So there's always a learning curve with, with everything. Yeah. So you might spend time looking at applications. Um, You know, that's going to take a bit of time. You may not know what you're looking at to start off with, but, you know, if you look at it enough, you just, it just becomes ingrained in what you're doing. It's the same with anything, same with riding a bike. <laughs> really, there's a lot of people that are doing development. There's a lot of people that are making really good money. Um, and, yeah. you know, there's no reason. I've seen all walks of life um, or people of all walks of life doing development. Um, not educated, highly educated. Yeah. Um, chefs, butchers, <laughs> IT consultants. Like there is no skill set. There's no qualification. You don't have to go to uni to do a course. You don't have a $50,000 hex debt. Um, (laughs) You you don't need any qualification. No one's going to ask you for your resume. (laughs) No. Like you're your own boss, right? I I think that's the thing. Like it was this book I read one once. It wasn't Think and Grow Rich. I think it was some other one. Um, And they literally said, you know, like there'll come a day where you see you know, someone you went to school with, someone you might have been a colleague of or a friend from the past, and you see them and they're super successful. Now, you know, monetarily uh, in a materialistic concept, they're super successful, um, you know, they've, they've got the money, all that kind of thing. Um, and then you kind of think, hey, 
that person wasn't even that smart or that person didn't even get the grades that I got or, or that person, you know, wasn't even that driven. I mean, they never even studied as hard as I did, right? You, you know, I, I think everyone can relate to that. You know, those people who are so much, so much more successful than you, but you're like, you know, they weren't even more talented than me. It's not about talent. It's not about formal education. It's not about anything. The people who are successful are the ones who start simple that's it you start you take one step next step three steps four steps adam is way more intelligent than me um i can say that much i did a bachelor of commerce but you know even i can do it anyone can do it it's not that hard um but thank you i, I really resonated with that that last one because that really is a success um you know, ingredient for anything in life whether it's money or, or anything relationships you just have to start right just take the first step um all right. do the due diligence decide whether or not you want to proceed <laughs> yeah figure out the right strategy anyway slippery slope um um no but thank, thanks for your time on on the show adam i really appreciate it anything lastly that that you want to say no thanks bk thanks for having me hopefully people have gotten value out of the video um and yeah we would i suppose like to share a bit more if people like it, if not, uh, no hard feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening if you're on my podcast. And as always, guys, my Facebook community, I'm always grateful that you're part of my community and always grateful to be able to serve you. My name is PK and, and this is Adam and you have a, a fantastic day ahead. Catch ya.